am Marion Parker, and um, my husband and I, which I'll let him introduce himself, we've been in children's ministry for about 12 years now, coming up on 12 years. And I, I am the children's minister, and he has dubbed himself the chief, chief executive volunteer of children's ministry. So he is all things children's ministry, and that is why he is here, and we'll be doing a lot of this back and forth. So we are excited to have you guys here. I know that there are some children's ministers in here. There are ministers in here. There are people that are just interested in what we have to, we're going to be doing. I promise it's going to be a fun class. We've got lots of fun things that we're going to be doing. And regardless of what you're, the reason of what you're in here for, if we can get you more excited about the possibility of what can happen with children's ministry, then we've done our job. That's what we would like to do. So who are you? I am your husband. I'm the chief executive volunteer. My day job is an art director for a record label in Nashville. I do that remotely. We live in San Jose. And um, if you listen to K-Love or Air One or The Fish or Way FM and you like artists on those panels, there's a 95% chance I have done album covers for those people. So um, that's my claim to fame. But my bigger claim to fame is as your chief executive volunteer, which is code for I just do whatever she tells me to do. So that's the first piece of advice. If you can find one of those. It's true. Okay, so we are going to start with some worship, and um, we always start worship with our kids. And what I would like to tell you is that when we start, I'm going to ask you to stand in just a minute, not yet. If you can. Yes, if you would like to, if you can. You do not have to, and that's the point of worship, right? We can do it however we are. We can be sitting, we can be standing, we can have motions. So what we are going to do is we have some motions. You don't have to do them. A lot of it is sign language. Um, we have done a lot of where we want to make sure that we are, have, um, are representing and are showing diversity. And it's a really sweet way to be able to show that there's lots of different ways that you can worship and that you can sing. And so we will be doing a lot of sign language. Some of it is real. Some of it is made up because, keep in mind, I will be doing it with students. And if it is a motion that's just easier, that it makes sense you know, to do to do something else, then we will. But a lot of it will be sign language. And um, we just want you to be a part of that. I will tell you, again, no matter what role you are in, you are all in church services, and children are watching you. They are watching you. And whatever you're doing, you are modeling to those students what worship means to you. Sometimes we are not in a position where we feel comfortable and we are, we are, we are hurting so much that we just can't even say the words. And that's okay. But what, is, what are we doing? Where is our mind? You know, are we making grocery lists? Are we doing different things? What are we doing with that time? Okay, before I do that, <clears throat> so I don't know what you walked into the doors with just now. Some of you brought in pain, you brought in wounds, you brought in pain from churches, you brought in your own personal pain from your own families, from other people, from workplaces, um, loss. But I'll tell you what we have discovered and what you already know is that when you're in the middle of that rubble and that hurt, that's right where Jesus is. What we're going to be talking about today is the Exodus story. <clears throat> and just like the Israelites, who were freed from slavery, come in, come in. And they're in the desert, and they have this moment of impossible for them, where the army is chasing behind them, and they've come up on this Red Sea, and they say, Lord, did you free us from slavery? only to let us die in the desert. And what does he say to them? Exodus 14, 14. You need only be still. The Lord God will fight for you. 
whatever you brought in this morning, the Lord God will bless you. What did he do? He opened up the Red Sea, and they walked across the I am so grateful that we do not have to bury our hope, because hope himself was buried, and he walked up out of that grave. So we're going to sing a song. You guys are welcome to stand. You want to start it? But do not feel like you have to stand. If you need to sit, that is wonderful as well.
already done the hardest part of the whole workshop. Good job. Thank you, guys. Can anyone guess what the um, what we could not find a translation in American language for? Any guesses? One motion that was completely made up. Red Sea Road. Red Sea Road. <laughs> you got it. That one was completely made up. Yes. Come on in. Come on in here. We can, that we can give this one up. You are welcome to that one. Yes, so that's why I say we, we tried to have as many um, actual words, but we did make some up. Um, if you are in children's ministry and you are wondering, there are so many different worship songs that have motions. There is licensing and things like that, so if you have questions, come and talk to me. But um, if you're like, I know that's not my comfort zone, that's okay. You have other people in your church that can be, and you have student ministries um, that would be awesome at this or even your oldest students in your grade. So like if you go through fifth grade, use your fourth and fifth graders. Whoever your oldest students are, use them as helpers. Give them a piece where they know that they have a piece in this church that you are part of. All right, so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to introduce, yes? 30,000 foot view. I know, I know. I, uh, we have a lot that we're gonna share today. Okay, so if you'll go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and bring this over here. Okay and show you some images and talk to you about what we're going to be telling you. Um, what we do, um, we work with primarily on Sunday morning, even though I'm over all of the fifth grade and under, but primarily what I work with is K through fifth grade. You can do this, what, I'm going to, what we're going to be talking about this whole entire time with any age. We did it through COVID with preschool through fifth grade. So you adapt, right? You just make it work. And that's what we love about it. It is not perfect, nothing is, but it is adaptable and it can be made and used for any church, any size, any budget. So, what is this? So this is, and my images aren't showing up if you want to go ahead and click on some of the first ones. I'm skipping your bio, because you already did your yeah. bio. Um, this is based on, um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit before we get into some of the nuts and bolts. The uh, Fallon actually really set us up really well in her story and her lesson that she gave earlier about dirt. The idea um, of what I'm bringing to you became um, kind of truer for me when I realized that God was calling me into children's ministry and had really been preparing me all along for what this was. I grew up on a farm. I grew up on an organic farm. And, um, yep, that's a picture. My, my house is like right there in the middle. There's nothing around. My dad did farming for years and years and years before any, anybody knew what organic farming was. It came into, it really kind of became this marriage of understanding about ministry when God started pursuing me for children's ministry. And um, I came across some verses in the Bible and I realized that so much of what I had learned growing up had to do with, with ministry itself. When you are farming organically, uh, my, first of all, my grandfather had not farmed organically. So my dad had to do years of farming, uh, farming organically in order to get us to the point to where it was healthy ground. The ground had been insecticides, pesticides, had just, it had been saturated. It was not healthy soil. So we had to for years, and it probably took 10 years before it was registered and it was understood that it, it, it actually passed to be an organic farm. It took years. And what I learned through all of that, what my dad taught me was that when plants grow, 
in healthy soil, you're going to have a healthy plant. And what I also learned is that when soil is not healthy, obviously you're going to produce an unhealthy plant. Insects are most attracted to unhealthy plants. So my goal for children's ministry, healthy soil. They have got to have the roots in order to grow and to produce fruit. That's what we want for them, right? So we're going to talk and we have some key verses that we're going to talk about and we're going to end on one in particular. So Romans 11:16. Now what I have done where I've put our children, I want you to think about someone in your life. Maybe it's your child, maybe it's your grandchildren, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's somebody in your life and you would place your, their name in this. Okay, so we're going to read our children, but you're going to be thinking about that person in your mind. And we've got several verses that we'll do this with. So let's read it together. And since our children and the other patriarchs were holy, their children will also be holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be also. That's what we want. Okay? Keep going. We'll do a video yet? Oh, not yet. Okay. So the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to actually show you a little video of what this is. And it's what it is. It's the rotation model. I did not come up with this, but it is um, adaptable. And that's what we're going to be. We're going to walk through what it looks like and how you can make it work in your church for whatever age. And it, it, can, it can be done in lots of different ways. And we can kind of get into that in just a minute. But this is going to break it down. The rotation model is the idea where you take a, a person a concept and you study it for five to six weeks however it works for you and you study it in different types of classrooms so my classrooms I have science art theater games cafe where they cook or they serve others and sacred stories which is hard to explain but you'll see in just a minute so on a given Sunday uh, let's say we're, we're studying Solomon right now we're studying King Solomon and your grade or your group you're going to visit one of those six classrooms every single Sunday. So after six weeks, you've studied about King Solomon for six weeks, but a lot of different ways. A lot of different pieces of King Solomon and in a lot of different methods. The reason behind that is God creates us all differently. We all have different interests. Some of us are artists. Some of us um, are really interested in history. Some of us really appreciate just having fun and being with others. God gave us all of that. And what we want kids to know is however God has created you is good. It is good and you can find that in God's story. The other piece to this is um, teachers. If you've got a teacher that loves art, awesome. Your kids are going to figure out if your teacher likes, likes the Bible or not and they think it's boring. The Bible isn't boring. So shame on us if we make it boring. It's not boring. Thank you, God. So we're going to show you a video. This is not my church. This is not my video. Um, but it helps explain a little bit. We do all of ours on Sunday morning. They do theirs on Sunday and Wednesday. It's, it's lots of flexibility. Super lots of possibilities. Last year, we looked at children's ministry with a critical eye and we realized we needed to make a change in our elementary program. The purchased curriculum we were using was dictating our vision instead of having a vision that dictates our curriculum. Obviously, our vision for children's ministry should be the same as the vision of GCR, love God, love people, and change the world. 
We want to create world changers by teaching our kids how to love God and love people. But what's the best way to do that? Everybody from children to adults connects with God's love in different ways. A great way to visualize this is with four quadrants and the verse, Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some people like to experience God through worship and fellowship. Others connect with God most naturally through contemplation and solitude. Still, others are bent towards loving God through knowledge and memorization. Finally, others feel closest to God when they're serving and being God's hands and feet. All are equally important, and we want to build a children's ministry that offers a variety of opportunities so that our children learn to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now that we had a defined vision, we researched curriculum and made several trips to other churches. We discovered a unique approach to learning using the rotation model. Although it requires some tailoring to make it fit our vision, we know this is the direction that God is leading us. We are in the process of writing a curriculum that will span the Old and New Testament in four years. Here's how it works. Each month is a different unit, such as Creation or Abraham. There will be four rooms on Sunday morning, Science, Drama, Art, and History. The children will rotate through one room a week and learn a different part of the story in each room. Then they will do an activity to reinforce that story fitting to the room, such as an experiment in the Science Room. There will be two rooms for Wednesday night, games and service. We will also be incorporating worship, prayer, and other spiritual disciplines. Both Sunday and Wednesday night classes will be unique and equally important. Is um, specific to their church, but that's the idea. And again, we do all of ours on Sunday morning. Um, you can do Sunday and Wednesday. There are lots of different possibilities. The umbrella method is the rotation model. Under that, you make it fit your church. So we're going to share. We're going to share what we do, and um, we're going to go through one of our rotations. We're going to go through Exodus. Pretty excited. There's a lot there. And we're actually going to start with our cafe. But before I do, I'm going to kind of set some of this up if you want to. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, yes. So, and I actually I skipped some of the classes. Um, do you have a question? Oh, yeah. I'm I was sorry. just going to say, when you're um, rotating, you're rotating the class um, yeah. ages to the different. Um, yes, yes. Like one goes to like fourth graders go That's to right. or something That's like that. That's right. Okay. So you can do it in a couple of different ways. You can do it, I've, and um, I've done it lots of different ways. I've had enough students where I had enough for each grade. So I had six classrooms on, on every Sunday morning, you know, going a grade in each classroom. I've had it to where during COVID, we had to do preschool through fifth grade, and we just made it work. And then now we have like a K through second group and a third through fifth group. Um, yeah, so here's some examples we'll show you really quick. If you have your own dedicated space, these are some ideas of, of like art. Um, this was my old art room. I do not have a dedicated space. I, these are none of my classrooms. These are some of my old classrooms. So it just depends on what you've got, if you're creative, if you've got the space, um, what you've got to work with. We have a shared classroom space now, so I have, um, I just make it work. I make our own things. Um, but this is history, so these are, you can really get creative in the decorating. You've got someone in your church that is, um, has that bent. That's pretty fun. We'll talk about that classroom at the very end. This is games. Um, these look really fancy and fun. Don't feel overwhelmed. They don't have to. None of mine look like this now. <laughs> I have regular classrooms, and that works too. But just know that the possibilities are kind of endless. That was my old science room. 
Super fun. Um, the reason I really wanted, someone asked me the other day, um, how do you teach science and, and why? And I said, and it's actually, it came from a non-believer who's visiting our church. And he has a scientific background. And I said, because we need to be talking about science in the church, I, especially here in the Bay Area. We have so many that are growing up and going into these fields, and we haven't talked about them in church. God created everything. He is the reason we have science. So if we are not talking about it, then we are not giving God that glory in that age group. So we definitely we talk about science, and we're going to talk about how we integrate that. That's one of the stories we'll do today. Um, signage is very important. This is what we use on Sunday morning. They kind of know where they're going to go. And... Um, just some of the signage that we've got in our, in our um, area. This is an example of one of our schedules. This one um, is an old one because it actually has three different grades. But you can see I've done it with individual grades, I've done combined grades of all different kinds, and you just make it work. And um, I've got one of my teachers in here, and she knows I send out the schedule ahead of time, what works for you, and then we just move around. So you can kind of see who we've got, and then we move it around and we kind of just make it work. Very flexible. Um, kind of got to be with kids and with, with families, right? Okay, so keep going. I mean, I'm ready for you to talk about your story, so. Oh, okay, great. That's where I'm going. So, um, when pre the reason I picked Exodus, um, I got very called to doing a personal study. She Reads Truth is a great, they have a huge truth as well. It's out of Nashville. Great, great, great studies. Um, they have one that comes out. They, they never stop. They just keep coming. And what they do is they really encourage you to dive into the Bible and to dig for your for yourself. So I, I did that and with a group and got a lot from their information and their podcast. I'm going to share, I'm going to be sprinkling what I learned from the book of Exodus. I, I've listened to some of these podcasts and read these things four or five times. It is amazing when you dig into God's word, what truths he reveals to you. So I'm going to be sharing some of those uh, as we go throughout. So what I really learned, come in, come in. The book of Exodus is really a picture of, uh, yeah, there's a spot over there. Come in, we can make it work. We'll find you a spot. Yeah, the floor works great. <laughs> if you were one of our students, you would be in the floor. That's right. So that feels right. <laughs> oh, there's, oh, yeah, perfect. So the book of Exodus really does give us a picture of a birth narrative. Um, you know, sometimes we think of Exodus in bits and pieces and like flannel graphs if you grew up with those and little stories here and there. But really, it's the whole sweep of it is the birth of a nation of Israel where they are delivered into the wilderness and where God does what you would do with a newborn and he answers their cries with sustenance and he trains them in the law, trains them up in the way that they should go. First, they are delivered through a doorway of blood. And then they are washed in the waters of the Red Sea. So Egypt in Hebrew is Mizraim, which means the narrow place. They basically are delivered from the narrow place into the broad place through doorways of blood and water through ten labor pains that we call the plagues. In Exodus 1, 15 through 17, the king of Egypt said to Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shipra and the second whose name was Pua, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him, but if it's a daughter, she may live. 
This is the beginning of Moses being born under this edict of death, which really foreshadows Jesus. Verse 17, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt told them. They let the boys live. Hey, this is so good. I can't. So he notices and he summons them and he says, why are you doing this? And they just say, oh, well, the Hebrew women, they're just so vigorous. You know, they just give birth before we can even get to them. Verse 20, so God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. So he doubles down in his attempt to get rid of them. Now, um, really interesting. I think it's great irony that's kind of being set up in this story for us. If you think about movies that are made up of Exodus, they're going to start with Moses. They're not going to start here. But this is actually a little tableau of what's going to play out for the rest of the book of, Mo of Exodus. So what did you have? Really quickly, you have two representatives of Israel who shake their fists at Pharaoh and they say, not on our watch. We will deliver Israel safely. And what is the rest of the book doing? You see two other representatives, Moses and Aaron, seen in the role of the midwives delivering the nation of Israel out of bondage. Now, these women are standing, and we're going to talk about this. This is all in cafe. I mean, this is for you guys. We go in a little bit deeper for you guys. But this is what we're going to be getting into in the cafe. These women are standing. If you go back to Genesis 3.15, they say, I will put enmity between the woman and the serpent. And this is the scene where we see that playing out. And the original audience would have picked up on that immediately. These women are in the presence of Pharaoh. And what's on his headdress? Does anybody remember? Serpent. Yep. Cobra. Because Wajit, the snake god, protects Pharaoh. And these women are standing and shaking their fists in the face of the snake god, that the snake god that's saying, we will protect the righteous line. And they lie to him. And don't get caught up on the fact that they lie because they're in an ethical dilemma. They're preserving life, right? But they are using serp uh, so the serpent's tool against him because Satan is a liar. Okay, so we're going to stop there and then we're going to get into the cafe for just a little bit and then we're going to come back to that. Um, oh, you're fine. Yeah. So for the cafe, for this rotation. You don't have to have aprons, but they set the scene. Yes, do you want to hold some things? Yes. Okay. So we have, we're going to be pulling. You guys are going to be kids now too, by the way. Oh, yes. Kids. We'll switch back and forth between you guys being kids and you guys being adults. So in the cafe, we do talk about Moses, um, what, what happened with Moses, okay? And he was adopted. We all know that. And so we really want to talk about adoption in this lesson. And so what we do is we have them, we find a group um, that is a Christian group near us and we make adoption baskets for them. And the kids are a part of that. And one of the things that they do is they make a baby blessing book. And we've got a couple of examples that you guys can look at. Um, one is from our church that we're in now. One is from our church that we have come from. And what they do in these books is we picked out verses that we thought would be a blessing. Oh, okay, I was gonna show some. But I'll show them on here. 
we pick out some examples, some, some lessons that, uh, some scriptures that we think that might be um, a blessing to those families. We have the students or the kids write those out and then we have them illustrate them and we put them together in a book and then we pass them, um, we have the families collect items. So they go shopping, they bring in um, whatever items children might need, infants might need, we wrap them up and we take them and we deliver them to that organization and they can use those to pass out to their, their families that are gonna be adopting. So that's one thing that we do. Um, the other thing that we have done in the class is we really wanna talk about We want to make it real for them. I mean, they're concrete, they're, they're, they're very concrete thinkers. So how did that happen? How does a baby float in a basket and it not sink? So we have examples and we got tar and pitch and we covered it and we tested it out and we put a baby doll in there and we see what happens. And it's not perfect, but it's sure stinky. And they're, they love it stinks, so they're going to remember it. Again, we are inviting them into this story. Where do they fit in this story? And just in case you haven't like, quite realized it yet, this is inviting the children into God's story, but you guys are children too. We're all a child of God because God has no grandchildren. So you guys are also finding your spot in God's story. Paired with the baskets, we'd like to play a game called Will It Sink or Will It Float? And we have a variety of objects in a big tub of water, and we do the test. Will it sink or will it float? And everyone predicts, will it sink or will it float? And we kind of keep track of that. Usually it ends with Mr. Tim's head going in the bucket. Yes. And surprise whimsy is one of my favorite things to do. Yes. Things that they don't expect that aren't really harmful but are kind of shocking. <laughs> um, so those are some of the pieces that we would do for um, the cafe. Cafe has two different looks. Cafe can either be serving others, which is what I was just sharing. We're going to talk about cafe again after the break, and it's going to be in the cooking element. We're going to talk about that because we kind of do both. Sometimes it's whatever we're cooking is actually we're giving away to somebody else. But we, we do two different types of things in the cafe. Anytime they can be engaged. Everybody paint one of these out of the bucket. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, we've got to pass those out. So yeah, take one and pass it. Just keep them, keep a hold of them for just a second. While you're doing that, I will talk a little bit more about um, Genesis or um, Exodus. All right. Pharaoh commands. We have this huge example that we just talked about of these women that we read about in verse 22. Um, but we're going to read about the three, verse 22. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, you must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. Now it tells us that every Hebrew son should be cast into the Nile, and he could have stopped there, but it does go on to say that every daughter could live. So it seems that daughters are going to really play a significant part and role in this story. We've already had two daughters of Israel who stood up in bravery, and we're going to see three daughters, three more daughters in just a minute. So we know the story. Moses was born. He was placed in the basket in the river. Pharaoh's own daughter, we know, of course, then does another brave thing by rescuing Moses from the Nile. Pharaoh basically assesses that daughters will be of no threat to his plans. 
But now, by the subterfuge of daughters, the one who will free the nation of Israel is now being raised in his own household. Chapter 2, 23. After a long time, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out, and their cry for help, because of the difficult labor, ascended to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Did you hear all of the labor language? God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. God doesn't just see, hear, and know his people. He responds and acts. All right. You want to go ahead? It's now we're going to science class. We went to the cafe last week, and now we're in science. Oh, by the way, we're doing that six weeks, yes. Six weeks and a couple hours. Yes. What we're getting today, we're getting the condensed version. So, you can't be in the science class without having your science clothes on, so I've got my science clothes on. And you guys all have something that we discovered during COVID, when all you could do was go to Zoom classes to learn about things. <laughs> These are called story sticks. Uh, I don't know if we've got it in the curriculum where it comes from. We do. Okay. Um, there's a, you will all get access to the, the curriculum where we first learned about these fun little guys. And again, this is sort of like one of those things that, that's almost like felt board, where you think, are they going to be into this? You know, they're in YouTube all day, and they have influences that are, that are you know, a little more technologically advanced than a bunch of sticks. But we have found, funnily enough, that, uh, that it is. It's a compelling way to tell the story. So I'm going to tell our story today in our science class using these story sticks. And you guys can all follow along. Now, if your shapes look a little bit different than mine, that's okay. If my shapes look a little bit different than they're supposed to, that's also okay. So we're going to have a lot of grace for each other here today. As we tell the story of the Ten Commandments, which is actually after the Exodus story, but is still a very important part of the Israelites' journey. We're trying very hard to go in chronological order with our lessons, but the kids don't necessarily go in chronological order, so it's okay. <laughs> so, Moses took the Israelites to Mount Sinai, such a tall mountain, and he walked up that mountain, oh, oh, got to the top, where God said, it's going to be a special day. It's going to be the kind of day where you look in the mirror and say, this is going to be special. <laughs> he told the Israelites to get ready. So the Israelites took their robes and they washed them so that they could be clean before God. And then they all gathered at Mount Sinai. But Moses was the only one to go up. He walked up the mountain. It's a fun thing to do with walk sometimes is to hold the hold the joint at the top and move your thumbs back and forth. You can, yeah, you do story sticks at your church? Yeah, that's it. You can walk. So the mountain started to tremble. And the people started to tremble, right? And up there, God spoke to Moses. Gave him two tablets. And written on those tablets were ten rules so that the people could learn to love God and love each other. It was a special day. And they were so, so happy 
Because <laughs> <laughs> they knew how special they were to God. My favorite part of that story is it's the kind of day you look in your
with everything. You need to pay attention to somebody like that. God used something that no one had ever seen. He used, what did he use? I bet you know. That's right. <laughs> used the bush. Now this is uh, the bush, as far as we know, is just ordinary, and this is just ordinary water and food coloring and vegetable oil. That's all it is. What makes the burning bush special is what God did to it. Can we see God? Nope. Can't see. Him. Can we feel His presence? Though? And we can see the evidence of God. Can we? So, in my example, well, I'm not going to tell you that yet. So I just have normal vegetable oil and water and food coloring. Nothing interesting about that. <laughs> Put something unseen in there, and it begins to do a something. If you've ever seen a lava lamp, it's based oh. on scientific principle of different densities of liquids. And here we bring in the science. And we say, look, the density of the vegetable oil is thicker than that of the water. And so you get the oxidation of the Alka-Seltzer, which is God in our story. <laughs> in case you didn't know, God is serving as the Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> and he's doing something extraordinary to those regular things by the chemical reaction that we can't see. We can't see the chemical reaction, but it is happening. So the very ordinary thing that was there before is a little bit extraordinary now because of the unseen thing that God is doing. And so God did the same thing with the burning bush. As far as we know, it was an ordinary bush. The very important thing to do with this experiment, kids, is to make sure when you have soaked your burning bushes that you know which jar is alcohol and which jar <laughs> is water. <laughs> Let us all pray that I have remembered which jar is <laughs> because I may be a little bit wicked. We really like to play up the idea that what we're doing is dangerous. Don't try this at home, even though sometimes it's not very dangerous. Okay, maybe we should turn the lights on. What? No, ma'am, it certainly isn't. You want to you turn the lights on? Oh, sorry. Sometimes I also say the opposite of what I mean. <laughs> Let's do the other one, too. Just an ordinary bush, right? Ordinary bush that's been soaking in. Let's see what it's been soaking in. It's an ordinary bush. Now, if you tried this, oh, let's see. This is just an ordinary bush. All it's been soaking in is water. From the scientific principle, there is water doesn't burn. However, you have been soaking in regular, ordinary, exactly the same type of bell bush in running Oh, I brought my branches. <laughs> now it's even more ordinary. Oh boy, this is going to be busy and crazy. Alright, so we'll see kids. It's the same ordinary bush, but something extraordinary happens to it when a scientific principle is applied to it. Scientific principle we can't see, just like we can't see God. It looks the same as the water, right? I'm going to go ahead and put it out. They were soaking in the same thing, the scientific principle there, alcohol burns. 
longer does not burn. But there again, there's something that, that looks ordinary, but God is doing something extraordinary. But what happens, the bush doesn't burn up. Yes. It burns, but it does not burn up. It's burning off the alcohol. But they love it, of course, because it's fire. Now, we did these two different examples so that you can kind of see. Sometimes the experiment is teacher-led. Fire is going to be teacher-led, but they're going to remember it. But this one is one that the students can do. And so as often as possible, you get the children to participate. I don't care what it is. You get them, it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard, but that's when they learn. So you divide them up into groups, you get the materials, and you let them do it. And you let them watch what happens. And that's when the real magic happens, because they start talking and then they start, <gasps> and it's really fun to watch. The jar with the food coloring and the vegetable oil is something they can do at home with items that they might already have at home. Not. <laughs> um, okay, so next, really quickly, we're going to talk about games. Woo, we're doing pretty good. Um, before we before we break, and we're going to have just a, uh, like a nine-minute break, and then we'll come back in, and we'll talk about the rest, and I promise you, you don't want to miss it. Lots of good stuff. I know, it was a length of my songs. Okay. Um, okay, so games. What we're going to do is we are going to do minute to win it play games. And um, we're going to need a few volunteers. So I need four volunteers for the first one. They're all easy, I promise. Nothing involves fire. There we are. All right, come on up. All right, come on up. You want to do it on the table? No. No? Oh, okay. And then I need two more because we need to, okay, come on up. One more. All right, come on up. So I need two teams. You want, we'll have a girl team and a boy team. Oh, that's also a lot of fun. Yes. So this first one, and what we do, we're only going to pick out a couple of them to do, but these are super fun, and with each one, we would talk about and talk about what the plague is and give them some background and some history. And Generally, each of the plagues that God sent to the Egyptians was a direct response to an Egyptian god. So, in the example of the, the, the plague of the frogs, because I have all these frogs in my hand, ooh, those frogs. Uh, it was the Egyptian god of fertility. Uh, the Egyptian god of fertility took a nap, I guess, when all of the frogs were multiplying, because uh, there were so, so many frogs. And so, my friends, that means God said, I see your fertility, God, and I raise you all of these frogs. Yes, and, oh, I gotta say it. Okay, so, when God If was... you don't say it, are you gonna quote? <laughs> so when God was he didn't have to do the plagues right like he said each of the plagues was an example of he was showing who he was he wasn't well known at this point they had to figure out who he was they were believing in these gods and he had to prove that these gods are false so each of the plagues like he said is an example of saying that God doesn't exist I am the one true God. So each one of these plagues directly correlates to a God that they would serve. And we'll talk more about that later. All right. So do we need a timer? Okay. Okay. Right. Friends, it's the boy team versus the girl team. And you each.
each have a pile of frogs, and they have to get into their frog home, which is going to be Pharaoh's house. They've got to get into Pharaoh's house. And the team that can take the frog and put it here at the starting line and flip it into the bucket, pew, however you do, I'm not going to judge you how you do your frogs. We will, we will count your frogs at the end, and the team with the most frogs at the end of 30 seconds wins. Um, so they love the competition. Time, they've already figured it out, so that's good. That's they usually love, how it works. They, they love understand. competition. And when you can teach, do an activity. Teach, do an activity. Teach, do an activity. It's That's when they're going to have retention. Okay? I love it. I mean, you're ready. Okay, you guys are okay, paid a whole village. I love, I love this. And, um, I love the different strategies. All right, all right. All right, ready and go. I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to play some music, and when the music stops, which this is what we do in class as well. <laughs>
I'm afraid to say, free lice. <laughs> and you are lice free, so that's great. But you know, again, you're all winners because you volunteered. So here you go. Okay, and next we have, oh foils. I promise you don't have to put anything on your body, face, or anything. So uh, foils, we need four people. We're going to have teams. So if we have a boy, oh, come on up, buddy. Yes. We can have a boy and girl team. I like that. Let's do that. Anybody else? Come on up. Come on up. This is not You'll going stand. on your person. Yes, you don't have to do anything on you. Okay, come on up. Uh, just go stand. We need one team in front of one of those and one team on the other. This, this can be so. This can be two. That's fine. If yep. We don't need, if we don't need. All right. No, no, no. We're gonna have. We're gonna have it. Oh, perfect. Come on up. Now we need a board. Now we need a board. Okay, come on up. All right, okay. so you are going so to be... It's Boil Relay! <laughs> you are on a team, and when it's your turn to go, you will take a boil sticker, and you will come, and you will place it on an Egyptian, and then you will go back to your teammate, and that teammate will come and place a sticker, boil, on the Egyptian, and then go back to your team, and you'll go back and forth, and at the end of one minute, the team with the most boils on the Egyptian is the winner. Or 20 seconds, because we're or short on time. Seconds. Are you ready? And go. Thank you for your honesty. This time the boys won. Good job, boys. Good job, boys. Thank you.
life-size game board super cheap it is nothing we show you is um, you can always make things cheaper so there's you can make things more expensive or you can make things cheaper you can make it happen and if you have any questions about that I'm happy to help you um, this is just a couple pieces of canvases paint canvases put together get someone who likes to create get some teams that love to, to create and draw a this is not the one we have now this is our old one but our new one is the same and you have big the kids are the, are the pieces they're the last game. They're the pieces, the game pieces. And then we have a giant cube. That's probably the most expensive thing here. You get big pieces of paper and do the questions, and you've got a couple of places on it that they pull the questions from. They work their way through, and you can use it for a review. You can use it for anything. As long as you leave it kind of generic, you can reuse it for a lot of different things. And they love it. So much fun. So, I wanted to show you. That's it for our break. No more breaking. Today, friends. Oh, that's good. Thank you. We're going. To the theater. This class is for all the dramatic kids. Or the kids that need to burn off some energy. Or both. Do you have anything you want to say about this classroom experience? Um, yes. <laughs> Do you have the kids act or do you have adults or both? Great question. Great question. Um, yes. Yes. For sure the kids. And then if you need the adults to add in pieces, you can. And just like here, we tweaked it, you know, um, we had stretched it because we have, you know, a good size groups. So we had a narrator one and two, but they can be one person. We had um, a couple of people for, oh, your part is actually like five or six different kids. So as again, as often as possible, have the kids be a part of it and involved and let them be, be in it. Because in theater, what you're trying to do is to allow them truly to identify with whoever character they are. If they're Pharaoh, why are they angry? Why are they mad? If they're Moses, why is it so important for his people to be let go? Why are they, why are they having to exude and, and if you're angry, what does that look like? If you're happy or sad, so you're really allowing them to understand and connect with whatever character that they are. In the theater class, we'll often do puppets as well. So there are puppet scripts in some of the curriculum. Sometimes they are simple enough that the kids will do the puppets. Sometimes we'll have a couple of volunteers do a show. Uh, sometimes, often, in fact, we have kids who do not want to be a volunteer. They don't want to, they don't want a spotlight. That's great, because the theater needs all the people. The theater needs people to film and direct and be prop stylists. And so we try to involve everybody. But once again, you, know, you never know. Uh, it just might not be somebody's thing. And we're all flexible and we're fine with that. So let's see. I think we have some volunteers already. If you volunteer to be in our play, please make your way to the stage. This hat is for Pharaoh. Look at this funny little snake. Oh, yes, who's Pharaoh? You are Pharaoh. Oh, and then we have other ones, too. Oh, that's good. You're a good girl. Oh, we have a magician. Who's a magician? 
Oh, you have and wicked, we need an dark Aaron. Imagine. You don't say anything. <coughs> Aaron is silent. Aaron is a non-speaking role. He's a non-speaking role. Kind of shy, and they don't want to speak. Okay, <laughs> Marvin, come on up. Welcome. So, Aaron. So wicked. Okay. And I had an Israelite. Yes. Israelite. Hi. So, Aaron, I need you to stand beside Moses, but I forgot who Moses was. Just a coincidence that we talked about earlier. So, Aaron, you can stand beside Moses, and then Moses touch your staff. Look at that. That's perfect. Aaron, you don't have a hat. Okay. And you also don't have a speaking role, so that's good. Oh, no. Yes, good question. No, this we have smaller ones, but this one's very official looking, so we brought this one. You have the most important. Yeah, or or you make sure that your Moses is a very of the staff being thrown down and then a picture of it being turned into a snake and then it back into the staff. So you might be taking pictures, they're not saying anything. Like and they pose as yes. like slide shows. Yes, and you have to say, okay, here's what's just happened, how can we show that in a picture? So they would still get to dress up, they would still have all of the costume pieces, they would still have to think about the characters or the people that are in it, they would still have to show, think about their facial expressions and then you can take a picture of it. Pantomime is something that we do sometimes. And this is another one that's really scalable. You could go very, very elaborate. This could take over your entire children's ministry if you let it. Or you could do what we've done today. Let's put on a show. <laughs> so we're going to put on a show. Okay. Now, I think the very most important part, of course, is the narrator. Yes. And we've got a narrator here. You ready? Yes. Go, go ahead. ahead. Lead us on, narrator. The Israelites were slaves in the land of Egypt. They were forced to make bricks for Pharaoh. Okay, pause. That's a great narrator. Yes. <laughs> I mean, good job. Wow, Holy Spirit, you got that's great narrator. The work was grueling under the hot desert sun, and they were whipped and treated harshly. The Lord saw what was being done to his children, and he sent Moses and Aaron to speak to Pharaoh. The Lord is the God of Israel. He says, let my people go. Then they will be able to hold a feast and my honor in the desert. Who is the Lord? Why should I obey him? Why should I let Israel go? I don't even know the Lord, and I won't let Israel go. Pharaoh was angry that the Israelite slaves would dare to leave Egypt. He ordered the slave drivers to take away the straw they used to make bricks. Pharaoh wanted the lives of the slaves to be even harder. We can't make as many bricks. We have to gather straw. The slave drivers will beat us. This is all your fault, Moses. We can't make the same number of bricks without straw. What have you done to us? The Lord will punish you for this. Now we are like a bad smell to Pharaoh, and he will want to kill us. Lord, why have you brought trouble on your people? You haven't saved your people at all. The Lord spoke to Moses and told him what to say. The Lord will set you free from the Egyptians and show his power over Egypt. Pharaoh will drive you out, out and God will lead you to the promised land. 
We don't believe you. We will never be free. The Lord spoke to Moses and told him to go before Pharaoh again with a... What are you doing here? Show me a miracle. Aaron, take your wooden staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh. The Lord turned the staff into a snake. That's just a trick. We can do that too. The magicians used their evil magic and turned their staffs into snakes too. But Aaron's staff swallowed up theirs. The Lord knew that Pharaoh's heart was very hard. In the morning, he sent Moses and Aaron to wait for him, and in the morning, there on the bank of the Nile River. The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you. He says, let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. But you have not listened. Now you will know that he is God. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the Nile turned to blood. All of the fish died and stank. All the water in the streams, canals, and pools turned to blood, too. Even the water in buckets and stone jars was blood. The people had to dig in the dirt for water to drink. We can do that, too. Your God is not so powerful. Pharaoh's heart was stubborn, and he turned around and went into his palace. Seven days passed, and the Lord told Moses to go before Pharaoh again. The Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. If you don't let them go, I will plague your country. No, you will regret this. <laughs> ah, frogs. <laughs> let my people go. No. Ah, lice. see anyone else or go anywhere, but there was light in the land where the Israelites lived. Pharaoh still wouldn't let the people go. His heart was hardened. Get out of my sight. Don't come see me again or you will die. The Lord says, about midnight I will go throughout the land and all of the oldest sons will die. The oldest son of Pharaoh, of the prisoner, and of the animals will all die. There will be loud crying all over Egypt, but I will not do this to the Israelites. And you know that the Lord treats Egypt differently from the Israelites. The Lord did just as he had said. That night the Israelites painted their door frames with the lamb's blood. The Lord passed over their houses, but all the firstborn of Egypt died, 
even Pharaoh's own son. There was a loud crying in Egypt, and that night because someone had died in every home. In the middle of the night, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. Get out of here. Leave my people. Take all your things and go. The Egyptians begged the people of Israel to hurry up and leave their country. They gave the Israelites all their silver and gold and expensive things. The Israelites finally were allowed to leave Egypt, just as the Lord had promised them. Excellent job. You can see how the kids would have a lot of fun with that. You can use a lot of kids. You can use just a few kids. It really doesn't matter what size group you have to work with. Thank you, guys. Um, seriously, that's the best narrator voice ever. <laughs> Put it together. That's awesome. And my wife just called and said, "You tell me yours." I just figured it out. I love it. Um, thank you guys. Did everyone get goodie bags that didn't have one? Oh yeah. That was in the play. Oh, yeah. Yep. Here, I'll do that. Yep. Make sure you get your goodie bags. Pass those around. Okay. And let's see. Oh, art. So I'll do the goodie bags and. Goodie bags. I'll pass those. Oh, we need that one for Jonathan. All right, so everybody needs one of these. Okay, so I'm just gonna do those files as Oh yeah. Pass those out. And then you need one of these as well. Somebody is a really good artist. Um, pass it. And you need one of these. So one of the We're in the art room now, as you can tell. And today we're going to be talking about a very important job in Egypt. Uh, a very important job in Egypt was that of the scribe. And does anyone know what a scribe might have done in Egypt? What did a scribe have done? Write things. That's right. A scribe would write things down for history and to praise the Pharaoh and to do all the things that would communicate to the people because they had paper, it was called papyrus, and it was very expensive and time consuming to make papyrus, so they did not practice on papyrus. They practiced on stone and clay. And you're all going to be practicing on clay as well. You each have some clay, and we're going to do a little bit of drawing today. And we're doing drawing instead of writing because that's how the Egyptians would write. Their language is made up of something called hieroglyphs, which were pictures. And if I'm talking to you like you don't already know this, it's just because that's the way I teach. <laughs> of course you know what hieroglyphs are. You're all very intelligent. Ms. Mary, do you have an example of hieroglyphs that you can show us? Mm -hmm. Hieroglyphs are made up of shapes. And so we have up here some different words that would have things to do with the Exodus story that we've all been talking about for these six weeks, right? Mm -hmm. We've got things like slaves, commandments, Here's a favorite here, Moses, that's a fun way to do. Do you have any more clay balls? Mm -hmm. And all of the words were made 
pictures meant things. And when you combine the different pictures, it means something different. So you all have a stylus and a little bit of clay. And what we're going to do is we're going to flatten out that clay just as flat as you can make it. And you can look at some of these and do your very best to draw little birds or little rainbow shapes little feathers to try to copy some of the things that you see up here. If some of you are Egyptian scribes already and you don't need to look up here, that's fine as well. You can just write whatever you want. You can also, friends, if you really want to just boil it down to the basic things, you can practice writing your name. Now, you, you can translate if you look very carefully to find letters that corresponded to letters in your name. Or you could just write your name in whatever language you want to, because you're, you can take these home. Can they take these home, Mary? Oh, yeah. You can take home your clay tablets, and tomorrow, after 24 hours, they will harden, and they will be more like stone. But right now, they're soft, and you can draw into them. And it was a way that Egyptian scribes would practice, because you could draw on the clay, and then if you messed up, you could just smush it back, right? You could just smush it out and start all over. It was kind of like an Egyptian eraser. So, you just want to look at that for just a few minutes. You can move if you if you need to see better. There's some desks open maybe now. And there'll be a QR code and a text code that you can use to get some of this curriculum. Just for example, in this portion, there's uh, several resources that have sources for hieroglyphics where you can you can go and, and see what different shapes that can be used. It's all included in the, in the curriculum. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the plates while you guys are doing that, and then we'll get set up for the cafe and um, sacred stories. So the purpose for writing the book of Exodus is really remembering what they needed, um, what it would be needed for in the life of the nation of Israel. So it's written, you know, believe, during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, given to the children of Israel, that they are coming out of Egypt and heading into the land of Canaan in the in-between space. So Genesis through Deuteronomy are written to give the nation of Israel, to give them roots where they came from and shoots where they are going. If you think about it and you know that they came from a polytheistic Egypt, myriads of gods, they required labor without rest, truly the antithesis of Yahweh. They required sacrifice for the sparing of their life, but not when we just see it depicted in the building of the tabernacle, but they're hard to please and they have a lot to do with whether your family lives or starves through a particular life cycle. When the ten plagues are set up, we talked about that being where it would demonstrate that Yahweh is the one true God. Who is like our God among our nations is the very first thing said as they cross the Red Sea. No one. Ten plagues, ten commandments. And what was the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And why is that? He has just demonstrated that there are no other gods. Those gods are a fiction. They do not exist. So each of those ten gods, they really target a particular Egyptian deity, which we have talked about that. And they need that, not just because of getting out of Egypt, but where they're going. Where they're going, they're going into the land of Canaan, where there's going to be a whole other set of gods who present much along the same lines, and they're going to need those ten plagues to help them to remember God's deity. How are we doing? All right, so let's move on to cafe then. You guys can keep working, and you guys can take those home. Let's pull out that, yes. And you want to talk about that? Can you talk about that one? Sure. So we're going to bounce back to the cafe quickly.
So earlier we talked about a service component where the kids put adoption baskets together in the adoption book and we gave that to a local adoption service to pass out to people. Um, fun fact, my mom just adopted last week. They flew to Utah and died. Oh, and if you've got anybody in your church, have them share their story with the kids. Anytime you can have someone in your church that either has a gifting or a passion or an experience with something, have them share with the students. They get to know it's an intergenerational opportunity. Always have them do that. <laughs> oh, we're switching. Okay. So, oh, uh, let's see. I keep walking over here and walking back over here. A lot of times in our cafe, we will have round tables set up. And if there's a, is there a, um, a picture of the, the way that we do that? Oh, no, but I did want to show them, well, if you, I don't have a picture of that, but I do have pictures of the actual um, Seder meal. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so a round table set up, and there'll be a big laminated poster board that has the steps of the recipe. And so the kids will just, well, as many tables as we need, <coughs> they'll get around the table, and there's the steps for the recipe, and you'll have an adult at that table, and uh, you'll just take turns. So we really wanted to give you an example when you're cooking of how to make it easier um, when you are working with students because obviously they, um, <laughs> they won't necessarily always know their boundaries and where they need to be. And so what we have done is you'll take a round table and you'll have those placemats around. And you have, if you have a bowl and it's, you're adding things or mixing things, you leave the bowl in the place, in the same place, and the kids move. And if you've got table um, placemats, that's where they move to. And you say, Johnny, can you stir three times? And then everybody moves. Kyra, can you break one egg in there? And everybody moves. It's a way to take something that seems very daunting to cook with kids, very easy, and everyone gets to take part. And they can count. I know when my turn is coming. So they're not going to say, when do I get to I mean, they still will. But when do I get to do that? When do I get to do that? But you can say, you can see, you can count when you're gonna, when it's your turn. Count and see how many turns it is until you get to do something. So in the Exodus story, we talked about how the Israelites had to leave so quickly that their bread did not have time to rise. And so we make unleavened bread in that, uh, in that example. And um, pre-COVID, we would end up using them for communion sometimes. Not mm -hmm. uh, our current church, but in former mm -hmm. church. And uh, that's a really fun thing for the kids to think, Oh, the communion that, that we're taking today is one that I made in our in our cafe. That's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. so, so this is an example of that. Um, and uh, everyone has a bit that they can take there in those pre-sealed Ziploc bags. Please enjoy the unleavened bread. Here's another thing we do sometimes in uh, when we talk about the Passover is we'll do a Seder meal with our students. Uh, this is an example of one that we did, again, pre-COVID. Uh, they love the bitter herb part. <laughs> the bitter herb. Um, when you, if you do the, a Seder meal with them, this is an example of kind of a kid's plate. And I think we have one of these. And, and it's just very easy for them to see. And you can talk about each of those pieces. But you really walk them through it. 
And in the curriculum, we have an example. Of, it's a children's version. So it's a simplified version. They can take it home. They can share it with their family. That's the other thing is communication. Anytime, whatever you do, just make sure you're communicating with the family because when they're bringing things home and the parent sees this, this, the parent doesn't always know what that gets to, what that, why they did that in the classroom. So if you can share the why, it helps the parent understand questions that they can ask of their, of their child and to have a dialogue of what they've done in class that day. Um, okay, so we're gonna move on <clears throat> to sacred stories. And I had it set up, but the Wi-Fi is not working great for me to where I can have it displayed with the can with the um, on here. <laughs> but it's not working for me that well. So we're gonna do it on the floor. If you guys need to move to where you can see a little bit better, feel free. Before you get started, we uh, left, sometimes this happens, we left our mountain prop that goes along with this story in San Jose. It did not make it in the car. So Mary and Seth on the way down yesterday, we need to find a mountain. We need to find a mountain substitute. And today when we were getting on the show, we looked down and God provided this mountain substitute. There was a snail upon it. So I snatched the mountain substitute and we took that snail for a ride all the way down the hill and I relocated the snail to another rock. <laughs> just, you know, just use what you have. Yeah, no, it is the just use whatever you have. That's free, you know? Yeah. That's a zero budget. That is a low-dose solution. <laughs> um, so very honored. I actually have my Sacred Stories teacher in here, Frida. Ms. Frida, thank you so much. Um, Sacred Stories is very different. It's very different than all the other classes. You saw that they were very uh, hands-on, moving, and lots of stuff going and doing. And, and yes, you need that. But sometimes you need to create space of quiet for God to speak. Because if we're not doing that, we're not giving an opportunity to just go, what do you want to tell me? And we don't have to spoon feed our kids because our kids are very, very capable of connecting with God and hearing and giving you new insights to stories that you've never thought of yourself. So that's what this classroom is. I call it Sacred Stories. It's really based on godly play, which you can look up. I take their information and I tweak it. Um, as with everything, all of this is tweaked to make it work for our church. It's a combination between godly play and worship works. And what I do is I take the stories that are just Bible stories. I, some, some of them I have to write because they're a story that I need and they don't make them. And so I write it myself. It is the most, it is only God's word. It is God's word with simplistic images. And if you look it up online, you would go, my kids will never go for that. And I guarantee you they will. Because when your kids are presented with God's word, they will listen. They may hear it a little bit differently than you do, and they may be a little bit more wiggly than you are, but it's getting in there. So I'm going to share with you today, it's kind of an overview of Moses, and we're going to experience it the way the kids would experience it, except that you're not on the floor. So normally the teacher is right here. I am going to tell the story on the floor. 
Somebody put stuff all over this table. <laughs> so normally you would be on the floor, the students would be around you in a horseshoe shape so that they can all see as well. And you are telling the story in front of them. With very, very simplistic, like um, it's kind of Montessori, mm. if you're familiar, familiar with Montessori. Alright, this will be better. You guys can all see. So what I'm going to have you do first is just take a couple of deep breaths in. Kind of get recentered. So everybody take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. As we breathe in, we're going to think more of you. And as we breathe out, less of me. One more. After many years, a new Pharaoh ruled. He did not remember what Joseph had done for Egypt. And the people of God became slaves. They were trapped and could not go home. There were so many of the people of God in Egypt that the Pharaoh was afraid they would take his kingdom away from him. So he said that all of the baby boys had to be killed. One of the mothers made a basket of bulrushes woven together and hid the baby in the basket. She put the basket in the reeds by the Nile. And the daughter of the Pharaoh found the basket. She named the baby Moses and raised him in the palace. When Moses was a young man, he saw an Egyptian beating one of the people of God. Moses grew angry and killed him, and then he ran away into the desert. Moses stayed with the family of Jethro, and he married Zipporah, one of Jethro's daughters, and became a shepherd, and he lived there for 40 years. One day, while Moses was taking care of Jethro's sheep, he took them to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb, which is also called Sinai. Suddenly, he saw a bush that was burning, but did not burn up. God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, and God told Moses that the cries of the people of God in Egypt had been heard. Moses was to go and set the people free. Moses said, but who am I to do such a thing? And God said, I will be with you. What is your name? My name is Yahweh. I am who I am. Can you send someone else? Aaron, your brother, will go with you, and he will speak for you. So Moses went back to Egypt to tell the Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses went many times to the Pharaoh to tell him to let God's people go. And many times the Pharaoh said no. Terrible things happened in the land of Egypt 
But finally, the Pharaoh said yes. God helped Moses lead the people through the water into freedom. Moses led the people through the desert for 40 years. And the people of God grew tired and hungry and discouraged. And they grumbled to Moses. But God showed the people that God was with them by giving them quail and manna to eat in the desert. When the people were thirsty from traveling in the desert, they complained to Moses. And Moses talked with God. God told Moses to strike a rock with his staff, and water came out of the rock so the people could drink. Something happened that made God angry. Moses did not keep faith with God in the midst of the people. So God told Moses that he would, he would see, but never enter the promised land. The people were free, but they didn't know the best way to go. With God's help, Moses led the people to God's mountain, Mount Sinai, where God had spoken to him from the burning bush. And Moses went up on the mountain to talk with God. The people waited and waited and waited. Moses was gone a long time. The people began to think Moses was never coming back. So they asked Aaron to make a new God to lead them. Aaron took all of the gold the women were wearing and melted it. Then he shaped the melted gold into a calf. And he gave the calf to the people saying, here is your God. And the people built an altar and worshiped the golden calf. Moses came down from the mountain. His face was shining carrying the ten best ways or the ten commandments, but found the people worshiping the golden calf. He grew angry and broke them. <laughs> he took the golden calf and threw it in the fire. The people were sorry, so God gave Moses the ten best ways or the ten commandments again, and Moses gave them to the people. God told Moses to have the people make a box called an ark to hold the ten best ways or the ten commandments. And the box was covered with gold and it had holes on the sides. So the people could always carry it with them wherever they went. God told Moses how to make a tent called a tabernacle for the ark. When the people stopped to rest in the wilderness, God's glory filled the tent. 
and Moses came close to God there. When he came out, his face was shining. After 40 years, they came to another mountain, Mount Nebo, and Moses looked over into the promised land from the mountaintop, and God said, I will give this land to the people of God that you will not cross over. Moses died there, and no one knows to this day where he was buried. So I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions that we would ask the kids, and this is allowing them to enter into the story. There's no wrong answers. I wonder what part of the story you liked best. And you don't have to answer. You can just think. But we would have the children answer. I wonder what part of the story is the most important. I wonder what part is about you. Or what part was especially for you? Is there any part that we can leave out and still have all that we need? So you enter into a dialogue with the students and you see what they have to say. And what they will say will astound you. I have had kids point out things, as I said earlier, that I've never, never thought of. It's really interesting. After that, they get to work with the story through either art or actually retelling the story on their own. It's a really, really sweet way to see what the kids come up with. So you don't have a whole lot of time to deal with that much longer because it's actually Q&A time. So if you want to put that up, then I will switch this <coughs> over and show you guys a couple of things. So this is the last verse that I want to read with you guys. And this is the one we base everything on. Um, I want you guys to, thank you. Um, this time, pick someone's name and we're gonna put it in the place of our children, but we're all gonna read it together. So have your person in mind. And let's read it together. Him who never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, their faith grew stronger and in this they brought glory to God. They were absolutely convinced that God was able to do anything he promised, and because of their faith, God declared him to be righteous. Isn't that a beautiful thing to be able to say if that is true about every single child in your church building? So we want this to ring true. We want to give them solid healthy soil so that they can grow up healthy and bear fruit. All that we have today that we have shared, this is, I gather from a lot of different places. This is my particular, I've written this, but I take from a lot of different places. Um, no idea is necessarily original, um, but I can recognize a good idea. And so what we'd like to do is offer it to anybody that would like it. So it is free. You can either scan the QR code and there's a quick little survey you can fill out. I mean, it's just like your name and um, information. Or you can text the word Harbor and it'll send you a link. And it's the same, same little form that you can fill out. And then you automatically get added into the, the Google um, doc that I've got where it has all the information. And you are welcome to use it however you would like and change it to match and fit your church. You can use our logos. You can use it as is. Whatever you want to do, make it yours. Um, because it's not mine, it's God's. Um, 
So if you have any questions, feel free to ask, and we can say after as well. Um, but I want to make sure I know you guys have some questions. I will say I work solely on a Mac. So a lot of these are pages documents. So if you only have a PC, um, you might have trouble opening up most of these documents. But if you have someone else that has a PC uh, or has a Mac that you can use, that would, that would work. Um, but I only work with a Mac, so that's all I've, I've got in there. And I will also say, this is my second time writing it. And even going on over the lesson coming here, I was like, oh, there, I need to fix that. So I will be fixing some of the things even from this, this lesson set. But um, you see the general concept, you get the idea, and it is about halfway written through the second time. So if you see, oh, she talked about, this would be about 45 different rotations. I'm on, I have written about 22 of the 45, but it's enough to get started. So as I go along, um, I just add more in there. So I just, it's a, it's a working folder and I just keep adding to it. And if I see things that need to be corrected, I fix them and upload those. And so it's, it's constantly moving and, and, and changing. So just know that um, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions about anything. But feel free, you're welcome to share with other people. It really does help to understand and to kind of see it in action. Anybody's welcome to it, but it really does help, especially the godly play. Godly play probably does require um, some training, some special training, because it's presented and it's done differently. And so it does need some special training. Um, questions? I signed up, but it's like trying to find a ministry group. Mm, let me see. I got permission denied. Okay, don't 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 do the QR code, then just text yeah, okay. it. Okay. Okay. I texted I tested the QR code and it worked though, I thought, but maybe something happened in translation. So yeah, the texting, if you text it, it will work. I thought you said everything was perfect. I know. <laughs> I text, I did test it, but it apparently didn't work. Yes. Uh, how did you work with uh, church leadership to determine uh, mm. kind of what stories should mm. be focused on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I, it was not necessarily me working with them. I produced it and said, here's what I've got. Are you okay with it? <laughs> gotcha. And they said, great. And so I, um, you can kind of see the ones that we picked. They're the big topics. Um, but if you, if a child enters kindergarten and stays through our fifth grade program, they have worked their way through the entire Bible. It's about three months in Old Testament and then three months in New Testament. And so I just kind of have my entire scope and sequence written out and then I gave it to them and um, they said thumbs up. So it was kind of more along those lines. It wasn't a whole lot of discussion as far as given, you know, give and take and back and forth and stuff like that. So do yeah. Okay. Uh, as a follow up, do y'all, yeah. do y'all, deviate for church calendar activities so for like easter do you yes. always do easter christmas do you always do i Advent? do okay. yep and that's actually in the document that you'll get it's got our scope and sequence and it's got that worked in there and so um easter yes christmas yes i even sometimes i did a one on first corinthians 13 like love when we did valentine so i deviate and do some of those different things as well and i will also say this is strictly bible class we also offer a children's church hour and this is not the children's church offering the children's church is separate and i can't share it because it is i what i do is i take from some other paid curriculum but I, I, I switch it all around and I add some of my own stuff but because I have it rooted in some other stuff and I just make it match 
all of this. Okay. So my Bible class lessons are what drive what I do in children's church, with the exception of some of the special holidays. Thank you. And then I might, in, in children's church, I might deviate instead of, not, instead of the Bible class. You answered my question. I was oh. going to ask if you did it during Bible class. Yes, yes. And I will say, if you have questions about Bible class, I have some ideas. Happy to share those with anybody after if you're interested. Um, of like what kind of works for me, it might work for you. Yeah. Uh, I guess two questions. One is, how long are your Bible yeah. classes? Yeah, an hour. An hour, mm -hmm. okay. And then the other one um, is, so you do the whole Bible in like six years, I think you said? Five, yeah, Five. but it can be six. Uh, if you, if like our church wanted to have fewer stations, yep. I assume it would be faster because <coughs> you're not doing six weeks in one lesson? Yep, exactly. You're doing three? Yep. Okay. And then some, I know a church that does eight, but they do four on Sunday and four on Wednesday. Okay. And there are different ones. Like some, there's a, you can do, I don't have these in mind, but you can do a movie room, or I just feel like I watch a lot of TV as it is. So I don't want to yeah. do that. But, you know, there are other ideas of rooms that you could implement to where if you did have a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night program and you wanted to split it between the two, you could do things like that. So, yeah. You mentioned godly play, mm -hmm. and you said a second. A second. Worship Woodworks. Wor worship Woodworks, and then... Mm -hmm. What other curriculum do you use to supplement your current? So that's a good question. Um, a lot. Um, in the the link that you have, there is a document in there called Curriculum Resources, and I have them all listed. And so I have things that are free. I have things that are maybe have cost us a minimal amount, and then even websites that are good to good to use. There's a one particular website that I'll mention or um, group, and it's rotation.org. I think it's maybe $45 at the most per year to, to, I highly recommend it. It is, I get a lot of ideas from there. I have to tweak them, but I get a lot of ideas from there. But it's other churches that are doing this. And they're like, hey, here's a good lesson. And they throw it up there and everybody can use it and grab it. And so it's just a really great place. If you're like, oh, Marion's lesson doesn't really, that's not really gonna work, or I don't have access to this. And then you can go on there and you can look for other ideas. Um, and yes, our, our lessons are an hour, and I always overplan, just like I did for here. <laughs> but I don't ever want a teacher to be left with 20 kids and nothing to do. <laughs> some, kids, some teachers ha can have tricks up their sleeve and things to do, some don't. And I'm going to assume that they don't, and so I always overplan. So you'll never usually ever really get through any of my lessons. But um, you, know, you, can, you can at least get the majority and, and, and the, the main piece. And if for some reason there's a something runs late, which it does, you're going to be fine as a teacher. Yes. How do you incorporate kiddos with special needs? Mm, that is a whole other topic. If you'll stay after, I'll talk with you about that. And anybody else that's interested, because I did a special needs program at my other church, and it's something that I want to do where I am. But um, a little thing called COVID hit and kind of got off track. But um, that is a great question, and if you'll stay after, we can talk about that because that's 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 a whole other class, really. Anything else? They're great questions. Does this work with uh, um, like junior high, high school? Oh, that's a good question. I've never done it with junior high and high school, but you could have your junior high and high schoolers teach it. And then you don't know a lesson as well as ever as if, if you're teaching it. So when they learn and they come in, I have had even my, my like fourth, fifth graders learn a sacred story and do it for preschoolers which is really cool. 
So anytime you can give your older students jobs, whatever that older is, and whatever mix that is, and responsibilities, they start to feel like they belong in the kingdom of God. And they see their place in that church. And that's always a good thing. Anything else? All right. Well, you guys have been an awesome participatory uh, group. And we have feedbacks for everyone. If you did not get one, please get one on the way out. Um, thank you. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with me on the app, the Harbor app. Or I'm at Campbell Church of Christ. You can always look me up on the website and connect with me there. Um, also, I'll stay after if you have any questions. I know several of you had some specific questions, and I'll answer some of those. But thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Thank you.